Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. My name is Zach Kroll, and we are here today talking sports on this Thursday. We have so much to get into. Week number seven of the NFL is here. We have a very intriguing Thursday night game with the Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns, both teams three and three. I really do think the loser of this game could be in some big, big trouble. We'll talk about that game a little bit from the Cleveland perspective. Also, we'll give you guys my top 10 teams in the NFL right now. Some picks for each and every game in week number seven. And also, Deshaun Watson is back in the news and rumors of him maybe going to the Miami Dolphins are back. I'll give you some thoughts on that. Loaded show. Can't wait to talk some football. If you guys want to get in contact with me, you know the drill. Social media, Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. The Twitter is at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. Every segment from this show will be posted individually to the YouTube channel as a video. So yeah, go check it out. Um, college basketball is starting up soon, by the way. We are going to be talking about it on this show once it gets fired back up. But we're here with the NFL Loaded Show, Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Without further ado, it's time. Let's get to it. There is only way we start off the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast each and every Thursday episode, and that is with my top 10 teams in the NFL right now. Keep in mind, this is only what I think about these 10 teams right now. By the time the season ends, by the time we get to the most important football in January, this list could be totally different. But right now, this is the order of teams I feel most confident in their ability to win going forward. Always a lot of criteria to choose from, always a lot of teams to choose from. Without further ado, let's start the countdown. Top 10 teams in the NFL right now. Here we go. Kansas City is still my number 10 team in the NFL right now. And I totally understand. I see it every week. This team is flawed. Their defense is flawed. However, their defense actually did put together their best half of football of the entire season in the week number six victory against the Washington football team. They shut out Washington in the second half. Juan Thornhill finally got more snaps ahead of Daniel Sorensen. But what I will say is this. If the Chiefs want to win games, they have to stop turning the ball over. I do believe if Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't fumble against the Ravens, they win that game. I do believe that if Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw a couple first-half interceptions against the Chargers, they win that game. And even though Kansas City historically has not been a team that has had problems turning the ball over, this year they have. And with that defense, you could only make so many mistakes. The offense isn't really given that much of a window to not succeed and mess up. As long as Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, and Reed are there, Kansas City is still in the conversation, but they still just have to clean up their mistakes. They're my number 10 team in the NFL right now. At number nine, we will stay in the AFC, and this is a team making their top 10 debuts, and it is the Tennessee Titans from the AFC South. And look, I totally understand. I do think the AFC South probably wins the argument for worst division in the NFL, but the Titans are just always a threat because of Derrick Henry. Like, he is that good. And trust me, I wasn't really high on the Titans going into the season, and 
one of the main reasons for that was not only because they lost Arthur Smith, not only because I've always had a really hard time trusting their defense, but I just didn't know if Derrick Henry would be able to carry the team like he has and just flat out put the team on his back like he has able, been able to do over the last couple of years. And he has been showing us that he has not planned on slowing down anytime soon. Derrick Henry, by far and away, the best running back in the NFL. And what he's been doing really since midway 2019 from now is really one of the best and most remarkable stretches I've ever seen a running back put together in all of my years of watching football. He is incredible, so hard to tackle, and the Titans, we know what kind of team they are. Ryan Tannehill is a good, not great quarterback, but a guy that also doesn't really make mistakes. He does a really good job managing the game. They have A.J. Brown now. They have Julio Jones. You hope that Taylor Lewan, their left tackle, who left the game early with an injury that really didn't look great, is okay. But good for their defense stepping up on that big fourth down and one late in the fourth quarter, stopping Buffalo. Sometimes it's a play like that, which rides your defense into some momentum, gives your defense some confidence. That was a good win by the Titans beating the Bills on Monday night football. We will stay in the AFC for our third team in the countdown. My number 18 in the NFL right now is the Los Angeles Chargers. And look, I had the Chargers in the top five last week. Everyone is allowed to have a bad game, but when you lay that kind of of an egg against one of the best teams in the AFC, a team that you're supposed to be competing against in the Baltimore Ravens, it is hard for me to put you in the top five. And look, I love Brandon Staley. I think that he has done a great job since coming to the NFL. You could see already that the whole locker room with the Los Angeles Chargers really likes him. They really respect him. And even me, he has a soundbite that goes viral on Twitter and social media each and every week. Uh, I love following Brandon Staley, and I think he's done a great job. But he is a defensive coordinator, and the Chargers' defense has too much talent to be this bad. And look, the Chargers' defense, we all knew it wasn't going to be their strength. If they were going to win games this year, it was going to be behind Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, and this offense. And the problem for the Chargers was when their offense had a bad day, their defense was not able to contain the Baltimore Ravens, and they never really had a shot from there. I did think, and I still do believe this, that... When you have a defense with two guys as talented as Derwin James and Joey Bosa, they should be able to hide some of your problems as long as they stay healthy. That is the ultimate worry I have for this Chargers defense. We know it's not great, but we also know it doesn't have to be great in order for the team to succeed. But if Bosa and or James gets hurt like they historically have, that's where I think this team is going to run into some problems because if one of those guys are out, then your defense goes from bad to really bad, which you cannot have. Hopefully Justin Herbert will be fine. I think he will be just one off game playing in uh, across the country game against Baltimore. We'll see what the Chargers do from here. They are now sitting at four and two. Moving on to the next team in the top 10. It will be number seven. We'll go to the NFC for the first time. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And listen, Tampa Bay had a nice win on Thursday night football against the Eagles. I said it last week on this show following the Rams game against the Seahawks. 
Once we get to Thursday night football, and it's after, I would say, about week three, week four, when you're on the road, all you should really be trying to do is leave Thursday night football with the victory. Style points really don't matter. It's not college football. As long as you're just able to find a way to get into the W column, that is really all that matters. And I think that's exactly what Tampa Bay did. I know they didn't cover a lot of people who bet Tampa Bay minus seven on that Thursday night game aren't going to be too happy with Nick Sirianni. But Tom Brady is still doing his thing. As long as you have him under center in the lineup, Tampa Bay is going to be a legitimate contender. The one concern for this team, obviously, is last year during their run to the Lombardi Trophy, they were probably the healthiest team in the NFL. And so far this year, that same injury luck hasn't necessarily carried over. Richard Sherman got hurt in this game against Philadelphia. Um, Also missing Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean. Carlton Davis a little banged up as well. But at the same time, Tampa Bay's pass defense hasn't really been in that much of a vulnerable position in games so far this season. Just because no offense they've faced has really been able to take advantage of it. And the Buccaneers front four is so good that they could just stop the run. And with Brady on the other side, that's enough to win football games. I have Tampa Bay at number seven right now. They will probably continue to move their way up as the season goes on. I just want to see them be a little more healthy on the defensive side of the ball. My number six team in the NFL right now is the Green Bay Packers. And I've been so impressed with what Green Bay has been able to do over the last couple of weeks. I know there are plenty of people that are saying, oh, even though the Packers are 5-1, and one, even though they've been able to find a way to win close games, you still can't take them seriously as a legitimate contender. We're going to know what happens to this team come playoff time, and maybe that's true. But one thing that I've been really impressed with the Green Bay Packers on is their ability to bounce back. Their ability to get punched in the mouth, and this has not been something they've really been able to do in years past, just their ability to get punched in the mouth and say, all right, it's cool. We're going to find a way to come back and win this game. When they got blown out in week one to the New Orleans Saints, there were a lot of people, rightfully so, panicking after the offseason that Aaron Rodgers has had. But throughout the first six, seven weeks of this season, you could see that he's engaged. You could see he really likes playing with this group of teammates. Matt LaFleur is a coach that knows how to win games in the regular season. And look, the regular season, it really didn't matter that much for the Packers. We all kind of knew that this team was most likely going to win the NFC North. And as long as they made the playoffs, it really didn't matter what they did in the regular season because... Once we get to the playoffs, we know this is a Packer team that has struggled once they got there, no matter how good they are. Last year, this was a team that was front-running. They were dominating in the regular season, and I do think at some points that lack of urgency showed throughout the regular season really cost them in that tight playoff game against Tampa Bay. I think their ability to prove to us that they could win close games so far this season could really come in handy when we get to the playoffs. Watch out for Green Bay. They are my number six team in the NFL right now. My number five team in the NFL right now, after two NFC teams will go back to the AFC, it's Baltimore. I cannot tell you how impressed I am with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And we know this was a team that suffered 
a brutal amount of injuries before the start of the season. And I think the crazy thing about Baltimore is even though they are 5-1 and one right now, there could very easily be a scenario where they're 1-5. The one game they lost on Monday Night Football against the Las Vegas Raiders that went into overtime, like they easily could have won that game. The games they've won against Detroit, they needed the longest field goal in the history of the NFL to win that game against the Detroit Lions. You also look at some of the other games they won against Indianapolis, that crazy comeback win. And the crazy part is Lamar Jackson is just always finding ways to win. Even though Baltimore was down 16 in that game against the Indianapolis Colts, you could tell that Lamar Jackson just had the game in his hands and he was not going to let the Baltimore Ravens ever lose that game. And look, Baltimore's defense this year compared to years past isn't perfect. It's not great. Patrick Queen, the young linebacker from LSU, he's really been struggling. But they also have some guys like Owe from Penn State. Marlon Humphrey in the secondary is always getting the job done. Calais Campbell blocking that field goal changed the game against Indianapolis. And the wide receivers are getting better. Rashad Bateman is back, the first rounder from Minnesota. You also have Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews. The Ravens have some weapons now that are improving the passing game with Lamar Jackson. I think they are as dangerous as ever. I really wanted to put them higher, and I do think as the season goes on, they have a good chance to move up this list. I've been so impressed with what Coach Harbaugh has been able to do this season with the Baltimore Ravens. They're my number five team in the NFL right now. At number four, we'll go back to the NFC. It's the Dallas Cowboys, and the Cowboys are a team that deserves a lot of credit. We spoke about it on the show last week that they found a way in overtime to go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. And historically, over the last 20 years, when the Patriots had Tom Brady, when the Cowboys had a coach like Jason Garrett, this was always a game that they would lose. Close game in the fourth quarter, but one mistake would cost them. And I was impressed how Dallas was able to hang in there after Mac Jones hit Kendrick Bourne for the long touchdown. I feel like that's happened in a couple spots so far this season with Dallas, is that they're in some close games, and historically, over the last couple years, usually when Dallas is in a close game, it doesn't end well for them, but that hasn't been the case so far this season. Kellen Moore has done a phenomenal job calling plays, and as talented as this Cowboy roster is, we know Trevon Diggs is an absolute stud. Parsons getting the job done, the first-round pick from Penn State. C.D. Lamb is unguardable. He's an absolute animal. The one small concern I have for Dallas going forward, if you've listened to this show, you know what exactly I'm talking about. It's Mike McCarthy as a head coach, and it's weird because McCarthy doesn't even do anything major. He just really makes those CEO decisions. Kellen Moore is really the primary play caller, but I just feel like there have been at least a handful of times so far this season when we're watching Mike McCarthy and his ability to manage the clock, and it usually just doesn't end well, whether it's calling a timeout to give the other team more time, deciding to kick a 65-yard field goal when your kicker has no chance. My only worry about Dallas in a big spot is Mike McCarthy costing them. And one piece of advice to the Cowboys, if you don't make Kellen Moore your coach soon, someone else in the NFL would. So obviously they're 5-1. I don't think they're firing anyone. But I do think if the Cowboys were to just elevate Kellen Moore as a head coach over Mike McCarthy, it would instantly make their team better. 
Number three, we'll go to the last team in the AFC, Buffalo, number three on my top ten list. And even though they did lose on Monday Night Football to the Tennessee Titans, I do think Buffalo right now is still the best team in the AFC. And that was just a tough loss. If you look at Buffalo's schedule, the crazy thing about this game is going forward, I don't think it's really going to cost them. They're still uh, the best team in the AFC East by far, the clear favorite to win that division. And they just don't really have that many challenging games going forward if you look at their schedule. Coming up uh, after the bye this week, they will host Miami, go to Jacksonville, go to the Jets, and host the Colts. That should be 3-1 and one at the absolute worst. And I still think this defense has really improved from last year. For the first time in a while, Buffalo has been developing guys like Gregory Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa that have been making a difference rushing the passer. Poyer and Hyde in the secondary are always two really good key pieces. Edmonds and Tredavious White. I think the improvement of Buffalo's defense is what makes them a legitimate threat this year opposed to last year. And I have no problem with Sean McDermott deciding to go for it on that fourth and one deep in Tennessee territory late in the game. He trusts his quarterback in Josh Allen. Sometimes when it comes to play calls like that, you just have to answer the simple question, does my best player get the ball in this situation? Should that give us the best chance to win the game? And that's exactly what Sean McDermott thought. Unfortunately, Josh Allen slipped. Tennessee gets the big stop. I still think, though, even with that loss, Buffalo is the third best team in the NFL right now and the best team in the AFC. At number two, I will have the Arizona Cardinals from the NFC West. And when it comes to Arizona, I've been so impressed. Every week I keep on betting against this team, and every week they're just finding a way to prove me wrong. Going into Cleveland last week against a very desperate Cleveland Browns team was a spot where I didn't necessarily like Arizona. But they were the tougher team, even without their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, and they were still just able to say, look, even though this is a tough spot, flying from West Coast to East Coast, playing in a Cleveland Brown stadium with heavy, heavy wins, we are still just the better team. Kyler hung in there. He was able to take advantage. You hope he's 100% healthy and ready to go. And Arizona, even without Chandler Jones in this game, he missed it because of COVID. That win going into Cleveland really just showed me how good of a job Cliff Kingsbury has actually done building the culture there in Arizona that they were able to go on the road against a really good Brown team who, who needed that game. And not only did Arizona win that game, but they won that game pretty confidently. I feel like if I was a Cardinal fan, that would be the best sign for me going forward with this one is that your team was able to win this game without really any hesitation against the desperate Brown team. Um, and Arizona, when you look at threats in the NFC, they're right up there. Talent was never the problem for this team. Steve Kime, as a general manager, deserves a lot of credit for putting Kyler Murray together with an elite wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. The signing of James Conner to go along with Chase Edmonds in the running game. Bringing in Zach Ertz, who will play his first game this week. J.J. Watt, A.J. Green. There's so many veterans and youngsters on this team, like Rondell Moore who are able to make a difference. Arizona's legit. They deserve a lot of credit to the start uh, for their season. Arizona, my number two team in the NFL right now. And my number one team in the NFL right now is the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams have had such a nice start to their season. I know when they played the Cardinals in SoFi Stadium in LA, 
Arizona beat up the Rams pretty good. But what I will say is this. I do believe deep down, if the Rams and Cardinals played again, the Rams would actually have the upper hand because Matthew Stafford, I feel like as time goes on, we're starting to see him get more and more comfortable with this McVay offense. The Rams didn't really have any problems against the New York Giants. And as much as I love Arizona, I just want to see them in the playoffs first. I understand they're 6-0. Last year, we saw that even if you start off the season great, 11-0 like the Pittsburgh Steelers did sometimes in the playoffs, it's a different story. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with Arizona. I just think right now, the Rams are the better team. I think that with the defense, with guys like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald in the playoff games, uh, when you're more familiar with your opponents, those are difference makers that could just shut the opponent down. Matthew Stafford is more motivated to win than ever before. And we'll see how that motivation comes into play this week for the Los Angeles Rams. We'll get into this game in our pick segment to end the show. But the Rams actually have a game at home against the Detroit Lions. Sean McVay facing off against his former quarterback, Jared Goff. Matthew Stafford facing off against his former team, the Detroit Lions. That's going to be a phenomenal game, a phenomenal sight after the big trade that the Rams and the Lions made this past offseason. But I just love Sean McVay. His team still, whenever they are winning at halftime, they never lose. That is a stat that come playoff time, I think will come in handy. In the second half, when McVay has a lead, usually he never lets it get away. The Rams right now, in my opinion, they're the most talented team and they are the best team in the NFL right now. So to recap, Kansas City comes in at number 10. Tennessee comes in at number nine. The Chargers at number eight. The Bucks at number seven. Packers at six. Ravens at five. Cowboys at four. Bills at three. Cardinals at two. Rams in one. These are my top 10 teams in the NFL right now on the Zach Curl Sports Podcast. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, I wanted to talk about Deshaun Watson. If you missed it yesterday, his name was back in the rumor mill regarding him and a possible trade to the Miami Dolphins. When I saw this news, I wasn't necessarily shocked just because we knew we actually spoke about it on last week's show, just how important this London game against the Jacksonville Jaguars was going to be for Tua Tugavailoa. And I don't even think he played particularly bad in that London game. He had one poor decision on an interception. But besides that, I really think the main reason why the Dolphins ended up losing that game was because their coaching let them down. And if you've listened to this show, you guys know I've been a huge fan of Brian Flores and the work that he has done with this Dolphin team over the past couple years. But so far this season, it has been a rough, rough start for Brian Flores. And Deshaun Watson, we know the deal with him, right? He was the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. He was considered by many to be that top young quarterback in the NFL and a guy that just one year ago, if he was available, any team really would have wanted him. But since then, he has, one, requested a trade from Houston. I feel like that's one thing that not a lot of people realize is right now, the reason why Deshaun Watson isn't playing is not because he's been suspended by the NFL or the Texans in any way. It's just because he's voluntarily sitting out, he's holding out because he doesn't want to play for the Houston Texans ever again. If he actually wanted to play for Houston, you do feel like the NFL would have maybe put him on the commissioner's exempt list by now. But at the same 
same time. He's not playing. That's all it is. But he has 22 sexual uh, uh, lawsuits going uh, against him. And that is the one thing about Deshaun Watson right now. There is a lot of unknowns. There are a lot of questions about his future. And I think that's what makes this situation so interesting. If you remember, a similar report to these trade rumors came out on Deshaun Watson possibly going to the Miami Dolphins in around August. It was right before the NFL season was supposed to start. And I remember saying to myself, as someone who mistakenly was very high on the Dolphins going into this season, even though I didn't really think Tua was going to be the main reason why, I did think there was enough around the quarterback position for this team to be really good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Unfortunately, that prediction hasn't came true with Miami, but they were interested in Deshaun Watson apparently before the start of the season. And I remember saying to myself, once those rumors dropped, this can't feel good if you're Tua Tugavailoa. You totally understand that last year in his rookie year, Tua wasn't great, but Miami did show us not only throughout the course of last season, but really over the course of the offseason during the NFL draft, that they thought that Tua's struggles in his rookie year were a little bit of a fluke. They had the opportunity to draft either Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones in uh, this past draft and move on from Tua after one year. But Chris Greer, the Dolphins GM, decided not to do that. And look, when it comes to Deshaun Watson, I'll say this. From a paper, from an on-paper perspective, it makes all the sense in the world. Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and once he gets back on the field, he is a guy that is going to make a huge dynamic difference. The question I've always said regarding a trade of Deshaun Watson, not only to Miami, but any team, are you willing to make a huge, huge risk? Any deal that includes Deshaun Watson in it is going to be one that is franchise altering for whatever team makes it. Because think about it from the Houston Texans perspective, right? One thing is clear. Both Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans want to move on from each other. Deshaun Watson is never going to play another snap for the Houston Texans again. And even though that is the case and the Houston Texans know that, they still know what he's worth. He is when he's on the field, one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the league. He's only 26 years old. If there were no off-the-field troubles with him, Deshaun Watson would have been maybe the most high-profile player to get traded in his mid-20s. Like That would be really the first time that's ever happened. It would be something unprecedented. And even though he still might get traded, there are a lot of question marks that come with it. If there weren't many question marks, I think there would be a handful of teams that that would really have no problem giving up three, four first-round picks for this guy. He's that good. And if you're the Houston Texans and you're trading an elite talent like Watson, I totally understand that you're going to want to get as many first-round picks back as you possibly can. The Texans right now, we watch them every week. They are a team that is flat-out rebuilding. They had a really nice showing week one. I do think that was more a result of the Jacksonville Jaguars just being totally incompetent and not really being ready to play for Urban Meyer's first game. And they've played hard in some instances. They almost beat the Patriots. But the Texans right now are just a team with a lot of holes. And they've already 
already made it clear that if they were going to trade Deshaun Watson, Tua Tugavailoa wouldn't necessarily be a player they would be 100% interested in as their possible starting quarterback of the future. And that's another scenario that makes this interesting. If Tua were to be included in the deal, would a team like Washington, would a, would a team like Denver, both of those teams have also uh, heard their names in the rumor mill about a possible uh, tr- trade if Miami does end up getting Deshaun Watson, where would Tua be going next? And I want to make myself clear. I don't think if Miami decides to get Deshaun Watson, they should all of a sudden, Tua should just be labeled all of a sudden as just a terrible quarterback around the NFL. I do think that he is better than Josh Rosen. I still think he has some good and productive football left. But at the same time, Miami is just trying to recover from a draft pick that right now looks like it could be franchise altering bad. The future of this franchise when they drafted Tua Tagovailoa over Justin Herbert really changed and no one could have really seen just how good Justin Herbert is and how much better he is than Tua. And even though there were a lot of people, including me, most people were Tua Tagovailoa believers over Justin Herbert saying that Tua came out of the SEC. He came out of really a respectable program in Alabama and no one could have saw Justin Herbert being this good. That's the one thing a lot of people say. The problem is your job as an NFL general manager is to pick the proper quarterback. It's to pick the guy that is going to end up being the best. And unlike Miami Dolphins general manager Chris Greer, we as fans aren't getting paid a lot of money to watch film and evaluate these quarterbacks and make the proper decision. And even though Miami, I've given Chris Greer credit for the way he's built this roster before this year, that one mistake he made in terms of the drafting of the future quarterback could be one that haunts him for a long time just because quarterback is that important of a position where when you make that draft pick, you have to realize it is such an important pick that we have to get right by any cost that if I don't get it right, even if I built the perfect roster going in, it is so important that if the pick backfires, it might just end up costing you your job. And that's why when it comes to Deshaun Watson and what Miami ends up doing here, it's so interesting because look, until a trade officially gets done, I'm not going to believe that the Dolphins are ending up making a deal unless something major changes with Deshaun Watson and his off the field lawsuits. Because here's the thing, as I mentioned earlier, the Texans and rightfully so are going to want three to four first round picks for Deshaun Watson. They're going to want a lot back. And if you're Miami, are you willing to give a lot back even though there's a good chance Watson could have some off the field issues by the start of next year and the future going forward. If you're Miami and the NFL tells you, look, uh, we've gotten the off the field stuff settled. Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for the whole season, but he comes back at the start of 2022, fresh start, and he's ready to go. If you know that 100%, okay, maybe I'll be willing to pull the trigger and make a deal. But at the same time, until you get 100% confirmation that that is going to be the case, I just don't know how you trade for this guy. And I look, and I totally understand, look, Tua Tugavailoa has been a pretty big disappointment so far as an NFL quarterback. A lot of times when you draft someone in the top five very early in the NFL draft, I know he went six overall, but point still stands. When you draft someone in the first round as a quarterback that early, you would at least 
like to see some signs that he could be really good and there are there's a good future coming the problem with Tua is there have been way too many times where I've watched him on an NFL field and I just said to myself wow this guy just looks kind of small he doesn't really have one attribute whether it's his mobility whether it's his size whether it's his arm that he particularly does well and you combine that with whether it's his fault or not The injury history with this guy has been really concerning. Also, the hip surgery towards the back end of his college career at Alabama, it was clear while watching him that he just totally wasn't 100% healthy. And this year, I totally understand it wasn't his fault. The Miami Dolphins offensive line is an absolute disgrace, but he took a big, big hit against the Buffalo Bills. And it was the kind of hit where no matter who it was that was taking it, they were going to be injured for a very long time because the Dolphins' offensive line on a big fourth down play just let the Buffalo Bills' defensive end get right to their quarterback, and Tua went down from there. So when it comes to Deshaun Watson, when it comes to these rumors, look, I understand why the Miami Dolphins are interested. They're a team that has really been looking to find their next Dan Marino for a really long time now. They've been looking for a while to find that next franchise quarterback of the future, and they thought they had it with Tua Tugavailoa, but throughout the first couple of games, throughout the first 10 or 12 games that he's played, he hasn't necessarily looked like the answer, and it's especially hard when you see Justin Herbert, a quarterback that you could have had from the University of Oregon, just balling out for the Los Angeles Chargers. I do feel like Stephen Ross and the Dolphins, they're the kind of organization that are willing to make a splash move to to recover if they think it is the best move for their team and getting a guy like Deshaun Watson we know that when he's on the field he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league but this situation is so fascinating just because I'm curious to see now that the Dolphins it finally looks like they've realized that they messed up that Tua Tugavailoa draft pick they really should have taken Justin Herbert it's apparent that they realize that now how far are they willing to go to possibly correct that mistake when they know deep down making a move like this could be another bad result for them and a move that could blow up in their face if Deshaun Watson ends up being traded to Miami you don't really know what his future holds you don't really know how the rest of your organization would react to acquiring a guy and not only acquiring a guy but giving up multiple first round picks you would probably celebrate if you're a Dolphin fan that you're getting Deshaun Watson but at the same time knowing that there is a dark cloud over his head in regards to everything that he uh, apparently has done off the field it could be very very confusing. I'm very curious to see what ends up going on with this situation. And I do feel like if Miami are included in the rumors for Deshaun Watson, they better make a move, I guess, because one thing I will say, I do think the speculation and the talk around Deshaun Watson possibly being the franchise quarterback in Miami for the future does put Tua in, in a little bit of a vulnerable situation. If I was Tua and I'm the starting quarterback for this team, I would hate to see my squad in the rumor mill for a quarterback that has 22 allegations against him off the field. Uh, this situation as a whole just really isn't good for Miami. They really messed it up themselves by taking the wrong quarterback, and now they're paying for it. And I'm really curious to see how far they're willing to go to possibly correct it and getting Watson, even though even more mistakes could be among the horizon. Deshaun Watson back in the rumor mill to Miami. It is now time to pick each and every one of the week number seven NFL games to end today's show. For the season straight up, we are 58 and 36 picking each game last week. We had a decent week, went nine and five. There are only 13 games to pick in week 
number seven. Crazy just how the NFL season continues to fly by each and every year. So without further ado, hit the music. It's time to pick the week number seven games in the NFL. We'll start off with Thursday Night Football. The Denver Broncos, they're sitting with a record of 3-3. They'll be heading on the road to Cleveland, taking on the 3-3 Browns. We just spoke about just how concerned I am about the Cleveland Browns and really just how big this game is for both teams. I'm going to take the Denver Broncos to go into Cleveland and beat the Browns. I just don't like the vibes around the Cleveland Browns right now. I really don't. And I think Case Keenum is fine. I don't really think he's going to be the reason why the Browns lose this game. I just think Denver is the better team. And Teddy Bridgewater, this is usually the kind of spot as an underdog playing on the road in prime time where he succeeds. I think it is a very good chance that we see a very low scoring game, maybe 16-13, 19-16, a lot of field goals. Um, I think with the wins being a factor in Cleveland as well, Denver is going to win a very low-scoring game, and the loser of this game is in serious trouble. The Broncos, I thought last week, that was a chance for them to take advantage of a Raider team that just lost their coach. We know how ugly that situation really has gotten with John Gruden, but hey, the Raiders came to play, the Broncos didn't. I'm going to predict the Broncos come to play in week number seven on Thursday Night Football. Always tough to trust a road team in this spot. But I will take Denver over Cleveland. Let's go to the 1 o'clock games on Sunday. The Washington football team. They have been one of the more disappointing teams in the NFL so far this season. Their defense cannot stop anyone. They will be heading on the road to Lambeau Field, taking on the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers, they're a team that has been just finding ways to win games, whether it's a close game, whether it's a blowout. I've been really impressed with them, and I'm going to take the Packers to beat the Washington football team at Lambeau Field. David Bakhtiari, it's looking like he's going to be making his season debut for the Packers in this one, and I just think flat out they're better than the Washington football team. We saw what Taylor Heineke did in a shootout last week against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he couldn't even score in the second half. I do think Green Bay's defense, although it's banged up, it's doing all it could. I do think the Packers' offense will outscore Washington, and Green Bay will get the win over the Washington football team. One o'clock game in the AFC, Kansas City. They're heading on the road with a 3-3 and record to the 4-2 and Tennessee Titans. And look, I think Kansas City last week in their game against Washington, they showed some good signs. Their defense actually somehow was able to shut out Washington in the second half. And look, I still don't think their defense is really any good. One game isn't going to change my opinion from that. But I do think it is not as bad as it's been for the first couple weeks of the season. Tennessee was really impressive against the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. They came to play, and Derrick Henry is a totally vulnerable matchup for this Chiefs defense. He could just run for 300 yards, and I wouldn't be surprised. But Kansas City's offense, they don't punt. You guys realize that? As long as they're not turning the ball over, which I totally understand has happened on a pretty frequent basis, they are able to score points. And I do think Kansas City is going to be able to outscore Houston or Tennessee, excuse me. I will take 
Mahomes over Tannehill. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a shootout. But I like Kansas City to come away with the victory over the Tennessee Titans. I do think that both of these teams do look like playoff teams right now. I was impressed with Tennessee's victory over Buffalo. Todd Dowling, their offensive coordinator, which I thought without Arthur Smith could be a big concern. He did a pretty good job calling plays. Um, We'll see what Tennessee looks like going forward. We'll see if their defense could just keep on getting better after that big fourth and one stop against Buffalo. I'll take Kansas City. Really, I think when you compare these two teams, it's going to be whatever defense plays better to see who is more dangerous going forward. How about the Atlanta Falcons? They're coming off the bye week. They're sitting at a record at 1-3. and three. They're heading on the road to Miami to take on the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Dolphins to win this game. And I totally understand the Dolphins have been a team that has really cost me so far this season. And so far with the Deshaun Watson, Tua Tugavailoa rumors in the news, it could be an ugly, ugly Sunday if you're a Miami Dolphin fan. But look, I don't think Tua was necessarily the problem last week for the Miami Dolphins. I think Brian Flores let them down. And really, he's just too good of a coach to be making mistakes the way he did going out of the shotgun on a fourth and short five yards behind the line of scrimmage, just showing a lot of inconsistencies as a head coach in terms of decisions to go on or go for it or not. But look, I just don't trust the Falcons. I understand they had a nice win in London against the New York Jets, and they're starting to get healthier. It does look like Calvin Ridley is going to play in this game. Hopefully Russell Gage is able to suit up as well. I just don't trust Atlanta. I really don't. And Miami is a team that I don't think they could play as badly as they've played over the last couple weeks. I do think they find a way to win this game at home against Atlanta, but they're in big trouble going forward. You just got to hope if you're a Dolphin fan that somehow Tua shows you some flashes and and you're just able to gain some optimism. I will take Miami over Atlanta. The Carolina Panthers, after starting off their season 3-0, they are now 3-3. They're heading on the road to MetLife Stadium, taking on the New York Giants. And this is an interesting one. The Giants have now lost two in a row after their big road overtime win against the New Orleans Saints. The Giants are still super banged up. It doesn't look like Saquon Barkley is going to play in this one. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney doesn't look like they're going to be playing as well. Daniel Jones was able to play last week against the Rams. Uh, He took a brutal hit against the Dallas Cowboys, but it looks like he's been okay. And the Panthers need this game. They really do. They blew that game against the Minnesota Vikings. They block a punt. You think they get some momentum, but still, their defense, which I thought was one of the better units in the league, it hasn't been able to get the job done. We're really seeing Sam Darnold regress a little bit without Christian McCaffrey as one of the best running backs in the league. We are really getting a front seat of the differences that he's able to make in all assets of the football game. With that being said, I actually like the Panthers to win this game. I think Matt Rule is the better coach than Joe Judge. I think the Panthers are the better football team than the Giants. They are. I just think that Carolina, even though they've lost three games in a row, they're too good of a team to just not be able to get back on track on a consistent basis. And I just think the Giants are done. I didn't necessarily blame them for that loss against the Los Angeles Rams. That was just a clear mismatch from start to finish. This is going to be a much more competitive game, but I do think Carolina is able to get the job done. And in terms of Joe Judge and his future as head coach of the New York Giants, I don't think you would fire him after after two years based on just terrible performance. I just think 
the more I look at this situation, you got to blow this whole thing up. Dave Gettleman has to go as a GM, and I don't think you're treating your team properly when you bring back a head coach and you still look for a GM without giving that GM an, an ability to hire his own head coach. So I think the Giants are in trouble. They might just be in need of blowing the whole thing up. I like Carolina in this one. We will stay in New York. The Jets, they're heading on the road following their bye week. They are sitting with a record of 1-4. and four. They're heading to Foxborough, facing the New England Patriots for already the second time this season. We remember the first time these two teams played at MetLife Stadium. Zach Wilson threw three interceptions in the first half. The Patriots rolled the Jets in that game. It wasn't particularly close. And I'm going to pick the Patriots to get back on track and win this game against the Jets as well. However, what I will, what I will say here is I don't expect Zach Wilson to play that bad. He really didn't play particularly good in London. He really just has to focus on making the easy throw and giving what the defense, taking what the defense gives him, I should say. And Robert Sala, there's still a lot to be said about this New York Jets coaching staff. It's only been a handful of games. They get the early bye week. They showed some good signs in that game in London against the Falcons. But when the Jets defense really needed to make a stop at the most crucial time of that game, they were just flat out not able to get the job done. I don't think New England is particularly good, but they were competitive against Tampa Bay. They were competitive against Dallas, two teams. I just think the Patriots are due to win a home game. This is one they have to have. And the AFC, I don't necessarily think they're good enough to be a playoff team, but a win here would keep them in the conversation at least. I will take the Patriots to get the win over the New York Jets. The final game in the 1 o'clock window. We will go to the AFC North. Another divisional battle as Joe Burrow. He will lead the 4-2 Cincinnati Bengals on the road to Baltimore to take on the 5-1 Ravens. And this is going to be an interesting game because I think the Bengals are really good. I actually think their defense has been one of the more surprising units in not only the AFC, but all of the NFL so far. No one really expected the Bengals' defense to be a good unit, but they're a legit top 10 defense with guys like Trey Hendrickson and Von Bell, Logan Wilson at linebacker. They have some players. However, at the same time, the way this Baltimore Raven offense is playing, I just don't want to pick against them right now. And it's crazy because in that game against the Chargers, the Ravens dominated, right? They really were able to control that game from start to finish. And still, it's not like Lamar Jackson played particularly great. Everyone around him played well for really the first time all season. We saw in the game against Indianapolis on Monday Night Football, Baltimore got off to a really tough start. But as more time went on, Lamar was just able to make more plays. And by the end, it was just apparent that in that situation, Lamar Jackson was not going to be able to let the Ravens lose that football game. I was impressed with what he was able to do. I think the Bengals are a good team, but I think that the Ravens are going to win this football game at home. Let's go to the 4 o'clock slate, and this is going to be a game filled with all of the storylines. The Detroit Lions, they're sitting at 0-6 following last week's loss at home to the Cincinnati Bengals. They'll be heading on the road to L.A., taking on the 5-1 and one Rams. And it's crazy because Jared Goff, a quarterback that, look, we all knew he had his flaws when you watched him on a week-in, week-out basis when he was a member of the Los Angeles Rams. But still, I never thought he was particularly terrible as long as he had some help around him. I was just a little confused as to why Sean McVay 
was so eager and looked like to be in such a hurry to move on from him. But now you see that Dan Campbell is already calling his quarterback out by week number six. And the Lions were a team for the first handful of games so far this season had been competitive. But last week was a big step back. I just think the Rams are the significantly better team here. Matthew Stafford is going to be pretty pretty motivated in this spot as well to play as well as he possibly could against his former team. And I just think the Lions are in trouble. I do think Dan Campbell is the right coach to eventually get them out of this. Just this year, Jared Goff is not going to be the answer as the starting quarterback. They are going to have to find a new franchise quarterback maybe in the draft. And Jared Goff, there's just a reason why Sean McVay in a winner-go-home playoff game, literally decided to start John Wofford over him. That's how done he really was with Jared Goff. And keep in mind, McVay as the head coach was able to make the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. We'll see if those two guys have any interactions. I really don't think that storyline is spoken about enough, just how Sean McVay and Jared Goff and that all ended with the Rams. But they decided to be very aggressive to get Matthew Stafford for a reason. I will take the Rams to win this football game. The next 4 o'clock game, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're coming off a tough Thursday night football loss. They're going to be heading on the road to Vegas, taking on the Raiders. And the Raiders deserve credit. That was a really nice win they put together on the road following all the events that happened with their head coach, John Gruden. Congrats to Rich Bisaccia getting his first career win as an NFL head coach. But so the Raiders are still sitting at 4-2. and They are in a good position to make the playoffs. I think this is a game they have to have. I do think this is also a classic spot. We saw the Raiders a couple weeks ago just really not be able to score the football in a big game against the Chicago Bears. And the Raiders have just been a team that really besides last week, they've played in a lot of close games. And I think the Eagles are a team that's perfect for that close game narrative. I do think it's going to be a close competitive game. But with that being said, I'm going to take the Raiders to get the win at home over the Philadelphia Eagles. There's still legit talent on this team. Henry Ruggs, you watch him each and every week, and he is only getting better. Darren Waller is obviously a stud. Hunter Renfro is a legit receiver. You hope that Josh Jacobs could just somehow be be able to stay healthy. But even Kenyon Drake has made a nice impact for the Raiders. Derek Carr is the better quarterback in this game. I do like the Raiders to get the win over the Eagles. I'm really not the biggest fan of Nick Sariani. His game plan against Tampa Bay, I get the Buccaneers are a really good run defense, but he should have listened to what Brandon Staley said in his press conference a couple weeks ago. Running the ball just naturally makes you a more physical football team, which makes you better, which makes you tougher, which just improves your overall mindset. Miles Sanders is a really good player. I don't know why the Eagles don't run the ball more with him. I will take the Raiders to win this game at home. The Houston Texans, they're sitting with the record of 1-5. They're heading on the road to Arizona, taking on the only remaining undefeated team in the NFL. That is the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm going to take the Cardinals to win this game. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. I think the Texans are just done. They're bad. And last week against the Indianapolis Colts, there were a lot of people that expected them to be at least competitive. It's not like Indianapolis has really popped throughout their first couple games. Houston even gave New England 
somewhat of a game a couple weeks ago. You could really make the argument that was a game. Houston was the better team and should have won, but Arizona is just the better team here. Kyler Murray has been playing great football. You just hope he's able to stay healthy throughout the course of the season and when we get to January. I was impressed with how Arizona was able to go on the road in not an easy environment like Cleveland, flying cross-country, and they were able to get the job done. That's a really nice job by Arizona. I do think they are one of the best teams in the NFL, and I just want to see them play some high-level opponents again. I totally understand they've gone to Cleveland and have gotten a win, which was impressive. They were able to go to L.A. and get a win over the Rams, and Arizona might be legit, but in the big games in January against teams like Tampa Bay, against a team like Green Bay, even against a team like the Rams, again, they'll play one more time, obviously, I just want to see what's in store for Arizona, but their veterans and the additions that they have made so far during the offseason have really paid off. That's a nice job by Steve Keim and company with the Arizona Cardinals. Three more games to go. America's Game of the Week on CBS, the Chicago Bears. They're sitting with a record of 3-3. They're heading on the road to Tampa Bay, taking on the 5-1 Buccaneers. And look, The Bears have actually been playing some okay football. I was impressed with what they were able to do a couple weeks ago against the Detroit Lions and what they were able to do on the road in their win against the Raiders. Their defense finally lived up to the hype and played one of the better games that I've seen from them in a while. But this is a tough spot going against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. We saw Chicago on the same field as Green Bay last week, and it was a competitive game. I do think this game is going to be pretty competitive as well, but I just think the Bucks are the better team in this one. Tom Brady playing some of the best football of his career, honestly. He looks very sharp, was impressive on that Thursday night game against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's looking like Gronk has a good chance of playing in this game as well, and I just think Tampa Bay is the better team. The key for Tampa Bay is from now until we get to January. I just want to see them get more healthy on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary. Chicago did a good job running the football against Green Bay last week with Coyle Herbert. I just don't think they're really going to be able to do that in this situation against Tampa Bay. Obviously, one of the best rush defenses in the league. I will take Tampa Bay to win this game, and I do think right now they are the clear-cut best team in the NFC South and a clear contender at the top of the NFC. Two more games to go. Sunday night football. The Colts, they're coming off one of their more impressive wins of the season. They're heading on the road to San Francisco. Indianapolis sitting at 2-4 and four going into this one. San Francisco at 2-3 and three coming off the bye week. I think this is going to be a close game that could honestly go either way. I think Indianapolis, I get Tennessee was able to beat Buffalo, but I do think the Colts aren't completely dead in terms of the AFC South conversation because Carson Wentz hasn't been the problem. One thing we have always said about the Colts when we look at this roster and when we look at this coaching staff, if their quarterback plays well, this roster should be really good. We saw Phillip Rivers, nothing special last year, but he was good. He was all right. And he was able to lead this Colts roster to the playoffs. I don't think there's any reason why Carson Wentz won't be able to do the same thing with Frank Reich. This is a Colt team that historically gets off to slow starts and then usually is able to pick things up. And San Francisco, they really haven't been impressive. Trey Lance is still banged up. 
It's looking like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get the call under center. And I'm actually going to take the Indianapolis Colts to win this football game. I think that San Francisco has just been really non-impressive. And if you've listened to this show, you know, historically, I'm not the biggest Kyle Shanahan, or I am the biggest Kyle Shanahan fan, excuse me. I loved the work he was able to do when he got that team to the Super Bowl last year. They went through a lot of injuries, but he was able to at least keep them competitive. But he just has to show me the ability to win more football games, especially in the big spot. Indianapolis impressed me last week against Houston. It's unfortunate that Paris Campbell, a young receiver that was making some big-time plays last week, it's unfortunate he's not going to play. T.Y. Hilton is questionable for this game. I think he is a huge key to this Colt team. If he does play, I'm going to predict Indianapolis to go on the road and beat San Francisco. I'm kind of out on the Niners until they at least prove to me that they are legit worthy of being in the conversation. Finally, Monday Night Football. The Saints. I think New Orleans, coming off of a bye week, could be considered one of the forgotten teams in the NFL, especially in the NFC, where I think the top five teams are pretty set between the Rams, the Buccaneers, in no water, by the way. The Rams, the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Cardinals, and um, the Cowboys. I think those are the clear top five teams in the NFC right now. But behind those five, San Francisco is in the conversation. New Orleans is in the conversation. I feel like Seattle would have been that team if Russell Wilson was healthy. We obviously all know the deal. He is not. And look, Seattle was competitive against Pittsburgh. And New Orleans is a team that I feel like you just don't really know what you're going to get from them on a night-in, night-out basis. With that being said, I am actually going to pick the upset. I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win this game over the Saints. There is just something about the Seattle Seahawks playing at home in prime time. Jameis Winston, I get Seattle's defense isn't good, and Jameis could maybe get right against this defense. The thing about Jameis is even though he's been able to win games for the Saints, it's not like he's really been putting up big-time Jameis numbers. He's still thrown some bad interceptions. He's had some very up-and-down games. He's already won at New England. I just don't think the road success is going to continue for Jameis. I'm going to take Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks to win this game. You hope that Chris Carson is able to play. Alex Collins was fine. He looks good against the Steelers, so we'll see what happens. Um, To recap my picks, I like Denver over Cleveland on Thursday night football. I will take Green Bay over the Washington football team. Kansas City over Tennessee. Miami over Atlanta. Panthers over the Giants. Patriots over the Jets. Ravens over the Bengals. Rams over the Lions. Raiders over the Eagles, Cardinals over the Texans, Bucks over the Bears, Colts over the Niners, and the Seahawks over the Saints. Week 7, NFL Picks. Moving on to the last and final segment of today's show, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Cleveland Browns. And if you missed it, during week number 6 of the NFL season last Sunday, Cleveland lost to the Arizona Cardinals Falling to 3-3, three and three. the game was at home. The game wasn't even particularly close. Cleveland was able to convert a Hail Mary at the back end of the first half as time expired. But unfortunately, that still wasn't enough. And Arizona got out of Cleveland, Ohio with a comfortable victory. And I thought it would be appropriate to speak about the Cleveland Browns here today on this episode of the Zach Krell Sports Podcast. Not only because of that devastating loss they suffered on Sunday, but they are also going to be in action tonight 
on Thursday night football. Big home game at First Energy Stadium against the Denver Broncos. Another team in the AFC that is three and three. And I actually think that this is one of the more fascinating games going into week number seven, just because what is going to be on the line for both of these teams. And Cleveland is a team that obviously had some big expectations going into this season. They, for the first time in over 15 years, a season ago, ended up making the playoffs. They were even able to win a playoff game on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I just remember being so impressed with Kevin Stefanski, the fact that he was able to build a culture in Cleveland in just over or just under the span of a year that he was good enough to miss the game because of COVID and still the culture was able to carry from that Browns locker room all the way to Pittsburgh and they were able to beat the Steelers in a playoff game without their head coach. They really got off to a good start in that game. They were really able to take advantage of the Steelers mistakes in that one and I just remember being super impressed with Cleveland and their ability to win a big game like they were able to at Heinz Field and then they were competitive in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs. If you remember, Patrick Mahomes got hurt. They brought in Chad Henney who ended up icing the game for Kansas City but Cleveland really did end up having a good chance to win that game late. Unfortunately, Baker Mayfield was not able to make enough plays and Cleveland's season ended at Kansas City last year. But I did think going into this season, Cleveland actually had a pretty good offseason. They made some big-time additions on the defensive side of the ball, bringing in a guy like Jadeveon Clowney, Troy Hill, John Johnson from the Rams. They also brought in Jeremiah Awusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame. Um, Greg Newsom, the corner from Northwestern, they really tried to improve the defense with this past draft. And I think you look at Cleveland's roster, they are absolutely one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. The one question I always had about the Cleveland Browns was quarterback. And look, I do think that Baker Mayfield is a franchise quarterback. He proved that to us last year, that he was good enough to lead a team to the playoffs. The only thing is, I do think that situation for Baker was ideal. I do think we are starting to learn with Cleveland that this year in the NFL, you are not just going to be 100% healthy each and every week. You are not going to have the best offensive line in the NFL each and every week. And I think the problem with Cleveland is that even though they're getting a little banged up, their quarterback is kind of fading with that. Their quarterback, even though he's not bad, is showing us that he might just need the perfect situation around him in order to succeed. And as crazy as this sounds, I don't think that Cleveland losing Baker Mayfield for this Thursday night football game uh, for Case Keenum, he's going to be starting. I don't think starting Case Keenum is really the biggest drop off for this Cleveland Brown team. If I was a Brown fan, I would more be more worried about the fact that Jack Conklin is questionable to play. Jedrick Wills is questionable to play. Those are both of your starting tackles. What made Cleveland such a good team last year was their ability to run the football and their ability to control the clock, which really resulted in Baker Mayfield as a quarterback not even having to make all of the big plays in the world. They just needed him to be an above-average quarterback, almost like a game manager, and it paid off. Cleveland really 
last year found a formula that had them winning a lot of football games. And unfortunately, so far this season, they haven't been able to do that really. And I think part of what makes football teams good, right, is the NFL. You guys know over the course of a full season, it is so hard to win games on a consistent basis. So at times, if you want to show me that you're a good team, you need to show me that you are able to win games in multiple different ways. That's what I want to see from you. I feel like the teams that end up winning Super Bowls are the ones that, okay, if they can't run the football one day, they're able to beat you with the passing game. If their defense isn't great one day, they could still find a way to bend but not break and force that big turnover. And with Cleveland, the problem is their roster last year was so good around the quarterback position that I don't think they really needed Baker to elevate his game in any way. He was fine. He wasn't good. He wasn't bad. He was just decent. Like he was, I would say he was good. He made a couple of nice throws, but let's face the facts. So far this year, he has not been good at all. He was legitimately bad in that game on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. And I think one problem is he's clearly not healthy. That torn labrum, I don't care that it's on his non-throwing shoulder that is going to be an area where he still will get hit a lot that is an area where he's going to be leaning toward his target Baker Mayfield being banged up and playing was not the answer for Cleveland so I do think they made the right decision for both sides for that matter deciding to start Case Keenum if I was Baker Mayfield's agent you know that his contract situation is going to be a big topic on the table leading into this offseason and I did think that going into the season, Baker would be able to do enough with this group of talent around him to earn that contract and just show Cleveland, look, I'm not Patrick Mahomes, I'm not Justin Herbert, but I'm still a quarterback that's capable enough to win you games. But the problem is Cleveland has just had so many injuries that he hasn't really been able to do that. And when you have a quarterback that isn't really able to elevate his game, when you're team suffers injuries around him like the quarterback's real job is to make other players around him better and look Odell Beckham is out I don't even think that's that big of a loss Donovan Peoples-Jones has turned into a legitimate player for this Cleveland Brown team Jarvis Landry is out I get it that's terrible Treader the center he is questionable Chubb and Hunt by the way are both out are the Browns even going to be able to run the ball in this game there are a lot of question marks surrounding the Cleveland Browns and right now The problem is, you look at some of the other teams in the AFC. Going into the season, I did predict Cleveland to not only win the AFC North, but be the second best team in the AFC right behind Kansas City. Obviously, that prediction hasn't necessarily worked out. Cleveland and Kansas City are both not bad, but at the same time, they're not ideal. They could be better. And right now, when you look at those two teams, they both have their concerns And Cleveland has gotten worse. We have seen teams like Buffalo. We have seen teams like Baltimore. We have seen teams even like the Chargers who beat the Browns in a shootout game. Like we have seen teams like that kind of jump ahead of Cleveland. And I think the interesting thing with the Browns is that going into the season, we all had Cleveland on that same level as some of the other elite teams in the NFL. But then the next thing you know, you turn around and, oh, they they blew the big lead to the Chiefs week one, but at least they played a good game at least they had a good game plan they showed up to play they then lose to Arizona you're like oh they were just injured but that game wasn't particularly close Cleveland also loses to the Chargers they started off three and one but the last 
two weeks have really not been good. And when their defense plays really well, like they did against Minnesota, you get really encouraged. They also played really well against the Chicago Bears. But then at the same time, we see Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray, two legitimate quarterbacks that we know are really in the same conversation, in the same range as Baker Mayfield. If you're the Browns GM, Andrew Berry, I may be willing to let Baker go after this season because you're seeing guys like Justin Herbert and Kyler, who he is competing with. They are just different. They are better football players. They are better quarterbacks. And if Baker's requesting a lot of money, which I guess he could because he had one really good year last year, he's been very up and down throughout his NFL career, to be honest. Like, this is a Cleveland Brown team that is very talented. And Baker Mayfield, when he comes back, needs to be better because right now, with the amount of injuries this Browns team, they need good quarterback play. And maybe Case Keenum is the right guy to provide that. We've seen what he was able to do as a Minnesota Viking. He was also with Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota, so he is very familiar with this offense. It sucks that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are both going to be out for this game and the near future. I know Dearness Johnson is a guy that a lot of fantasy football managers were interested in this week. We'll see how he's able to do running the football. And this is a big game for Denver also. They started their season off 3-0, and but their schedule really wasn't anything special. And then they've lost their last three games to the Ravens, to the Raiders last week, and they also lost to the Steelers on the road. The loser of this game is going to be in big, big trouble. Vic Fangio, it looks like he is on the hot seat right now. Teddy Bridgewater and Case Keenum going at it on Thursday night football. And Cleveland, I'm not going to lie, if I was a Browns fan, I would be really nervous because the other thing about Cleveland was last year, if you look at their schedule, they didn't really play anyone good or impressive. A lot of their wins came against teams that just didn't make the playoffs. You look at their schedule last year. Look at the teams they beat. I will pull it up right now. It really wasn't impressive. In 2020, the Browns started off their season obviously getting blown out by Baltimore, but they beat the Bengals, non-playoff team. They beat Washington, playoff team, but they finished 7-9. and Dallas, not a playoff team. The Colts, playoff team, one good win. Bengals again. They beat the Texans, not a playoff team. They beat the Eagles, not a playoff team. They beat the Titans, okay, good win. But they beat the Jaguars, non-playoff team. Giants, non-playoff team. Steelers when they were resting all their starters and they lost to the Jets. I think last year, Cleveland had a really easy schedule that they were able to take advantage of. But this year, so far, when they face the good teams, let's just face the facts. They have not been able to get the job done. I would have liked to see them be the team like the Chargers. I would have liked to see them play much better than they did against Arizona. It's not even that they lost that game. It's just that game wasn't even close. And now with Case Keenum on her center, it's hard to have a lot of optimism surrounding this Cleveland Brown team. But hey, they still have some talent. Hopefully some of the guys that are questionable do suit up and play in this Thursday night game against Denver. And if I'm a Brown fan, the thing I would be nervous about would, would be that this season was supposed to be the season where your team takes the next step. They make that they take that leap with the talent you have on this Browns team. It was totally appropriate to think that. But then you look at so far this season, you have seen other teams like Baltimore and Buffalo and even the Chargers take that next step. Unfortunately, you are not there. And if I was a Brown fan, I would not be particularly happy. I would be nervous going into this Thursday night game against Denver. And we'll see what happens with Baker Mayfield and if he is ultimately the quarterback of the future in Cleveland. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Episodes will drop multiple times a week as we go over all the most interesting storylines in all the sports. Look forward to talking some football, some college basketball, everything in between. And there is just nothing better than talking sports with you guys on this show. Thanks for listening once again. If you want to get in contact with me, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L, Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3, YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. This was the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Everyone have a good one.